This is Lunch with Legends, brought to you by ASE Media and Thinkslinger.org. Lunch with Legends. And now your host, Lou Stowers. Thanks, Big Game Jimmy Flame. I know that this interview is going to be a special one for you and for everybody because I had a chance to talk to a, a guy that has grown into a good, good friend, Bobby Gritch, who should be in the Hall of Fame, playing for the California Angels and the Baltimore Orioles, where he started his career. Local kid from Long Beach, uh, high school quarterback and a shortstop and pitcher for Long Beach Wilson, and uh, went right into the minor league system of the Baltimore Orioles. But he grew up admiring Tom Seaver, who was from Fresno and uh, was a star at USC. So let's pick it up and uh, our conversation on Lunch with Legends with myself and Bobby Gritch. In this year of 2020, we all want to take a mulligan in this thing. And because some of our favorite people within our family or within our circle of family and friends or the people that we considered family have passed on. And one of those people recently was Tom Seaver, Tom Terrific. And I wanted to reach out to some of the people that I consider friends that played the game and played against Tom Seaver and some of their remembrances that they have uh, for Tom Seaver, whether they succeeded or whether they didn't succeed or whether they got a chance to talk to him. And I got to lead off with one of my one of my favorites, uh, Bobby Gritch from uh, the Orioles, the Angels. And uh, Bobby, thanks for joining me today on Lunch with Legends. Uh, my pleasure, Lou, and I always look forward to talking about Tom Terrific, that's for sure. I, he was an idol of mine, but uh, go ahead with your questioning, and I'll tell you all about him being an idol of mine. Yeah, well, let's just start off with that. So, uh, you growing up in Long Beach, he was a USC Trojan. You went to Long Beach Wilson High School, and uh, your colors were cardinal and gold at Long Beach Wilson. So uh, you had to have uh, probably known about Tom even as far back as US, his USC days. Uh, yeah, that's right. I was a senior in high school in 67. And uh, I think right about that time, you know, 65, six and seven, he was at USC uh, under Rod Dado and they were winning national championships. They had a fantastic uh, run of uh incredible baseball teams um, national championship teams and a lot of their players went on to the to the major leagues and I you know I lived uh, 45 minutes uh, south half hour south of USC uh, and and 45 minutes south of, of UCLA so I followed both those colleges uh, when I was a you know sophomore junior senior in high school I was going to probably go to one of those schools and I was hoping to play either football or baseball or or you know, or both at either one of those universities. So they were my top two. I followed them closely. So Tom, Tom Terrific was uh, somebody I was aware of when I was in high school. And, uh, and then uh, I signed, of course, as a senior, started playing in the minor leagues uh, for a couple of years. I got to double A ball in 69. And by then he had broken into the big leagues. It didn't take him long. He was in the big leagues quick, quick out of USC a year or two. And he was in the World Series in 69 with that real fiery young uh, pitching staff they had. And, of course, I was in the Baltimore Orioles organization and playing in the minor leagues for the Orioles. I was following the Orioles 
you know, very closely. And so they got to the World Series against the Mets in 69. And so uh, I watched uh, all the games, uh, was, you know, just followed it very, very closely. And Seaver was, uh, you know, somebody that I looked up to, I knew about him, and I had been following him for a long time. And also, uh, there's another connection. And in, in starting in 1970, uh, my, uh, my girlfriend, uh, to be my wife, uh, was up at Fresno State. And so what I did was I would go to school at Fresno for one semester a year during the fall semester starting in 1970, 71, and 72. And Tom Sieber was from Fresno. That's where he went to high school. And his dad uh, uh, was, I think he was a great golfer in that area. Uh, he was known for his golfing prowess and uh, one of the best amateur golfers up there. So the Sieber name was big in Fresno. And, and so, of course, uh, I got to the big leagues uh, in 70 and um, got to the World Series. We faced the Cincinnati Reds, but I didn't face Seaver. I did finally face him in an all-star game in 76. It was in Philadelphia. It was the, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, you know, it was like 200 years of our, uh, you know, our liberty. Oh, oh yeah, the bicentennial. Bicentennial. Yeah, bicentennial. There you go. Thanks, Lou. And uh, so it was a huge celebration in Philadelphia. Really a great, you know, great experience, great time. And that's where I faced him for the first time. And I think he came in. I believe Randy Jones started the game. And, you know, Randy was famous for a, a little fastball up and in, a little cut slider, a big hook. And then he was really famous for just turning the ball over, like throwing about an 80, 86 mile an hour little, you know, little sinker away. Yeah, I was going and to say you had to take the ball to right field. If you're a right-hand hitter, you couldn't. It'd be ground ball, shortstop, you know, all night long. Anyway, so he was just a master of off-speed stuff, and he threw, I think, two or three innings. And uh, I don't know if we did much against him, but then when the inning changed and the, the pitching change came, uh, Seaver came trotting in out of the left field bullpen, and he trotted all the way in. He got on top the mound, and there was nothing slow or deliberate about him. He had a lot of energy. He said, "Give me the ball. Let's go." Uh, Manny Sanguin, I think it was, or Johnny Bench got behind in the behind the plate, and Seaver reared back. I mean, he just straight, he was came straight out of the bullpen, and uh, Seaver reared back and threw one of the hardest pitches I have ever seen in my life. I mean, <laughs> I think it was honestly, I think it was 102, 103 miles an hour. I'm not kidding. Uh, it just wow. it just zinged up to home plate and it hit the catcher's glove, and you could hear the pop. In the catcher's glove, I'm telling you, you could hear it throughout the stadium. <laughs> it, was, it was just kapow, you know. Wow. And everybody in the National League dugout, which was across the field from us, we were in the third base dugout, and they were all in the first base dugout over there. And as soon as he threw that first pitch, they all just jumped up out of their seats, off the bench, got up on the first step of the dugout. They were waving towels and laughing and pointing at us the whole time he was warming up because the next four or five pitches, he threw all of them about 100 miles an hour and made that pop every single time. And they were just saying, you guys are in trouble now because he was at the top of his game. And he was, uh, honestly, he, I don't know if people realize how hard he could throw at the top of his game, but I think we might have, uh, I think we got an, a runoff in maybe the inning after that. Uh, he threw two or three innings or something. I think Freddie Lynn had a home run off of him. Yeah. But I, I hit into a double play. We had we had men in scoring position. I think men on first and second, or at least a man at, at first. And uh, he threw a little 2-2 slider to me. And, I, of course, I was looking heat because that was his go-to pitch. And uh, he just 
put a little star in the outside corner, and, and there it was, ground ball, shortstop, turn two, you're out of here. But for me, it was such a thrill to face, you know, face Tom Seaver. I've been following him since I was in high school, and to face him in an all-star game was awesome experience, and he was at the top of his game. And to see those guys hoot and holler and see him throw that ball, <laughs> uh, it was it was a guy had incredible talent, incredible talent. Oh man, that had to be something. And uh, uh, you, I believe you had to have faced him when he was with uh, with the White Sox. He played with the White Sox from '84 to '86. Uh, do you remember any of those from Comiskey or, or in Anaheim? You know, I do remember facing him in Comiskey. Um, I don't remember it vividly, but I do remember he uh, was pitching for the for the White Sox. Uh, he was probably 38 years old, 38, 39, you know, something like that. Uh, definitely at the end of his game. But he's just a competitor. You know, he didn't have that. You know, his fastball wasn't popping the glove like I referred to earlier, of course. But he was turning his fastball over, sinking it in little cutter, everyone else wanted to kind of show me the heat up, but he knew he couldn't get his heat by anybody anymore. But he was a smart, smart, intelligent guy that, you know, they say that the guys that last the longest are the cream of the crop, right? And right. I faced him in, I faced him in 86, his last year, uh, when he was 41 years old. And uh, in California, he went over the Red Sox for his last year in 86. And uh, Don Sutton was pitching for us, and they were both 41 years old. So two Hall of Famers were facing off, and uh, it was kind of a precursor to the playoffs because our two teams were uh, leading the uh, the two divisions uh, in in the um, American League, and everybody kind of was thinking this could be a playoff preview. Uh, I actually uh, I caught him for a home run, and I think I let off the fourth inning. I think it was the first pitch, maybe, but I uh, I was looking slider. Because that's what he was getting me out on, and I and I just kind of thought, you know what? I remember that double play that I hit into, and I remember he was <laughs> not, he was not thinking about, you know, he just couldn't blow his fastball by anybody anymore. So I thought, you know what? He's going to try and cut one here on me, and uh, I waited on it and hit a home run to straightaway center. The first run of the game, uh, one nothing, put us in the lead, and, I, and we went on to win that game three nothing. And he went about he went about six or seven innings and pitched. Pitched one run ball, really, I think, going into like the sixth or seventh inning at 41 years old. And Sutton did the same thing. Sutton threw a shutout for, I think, six or seven innings. So that was a great game by two, you know, incredible Hall of Fame pitchers that did not have their best stuff, were were, uh, 41 years old, but two really, really crafty, smart, intelligent, uh, highly skilled, you know, great competitors. You can put those two guys, uh, you know, on my team anytime because they were uh, just top, you know, creme de la creme of uh, all-time pitchers. Oh, yeah. Both of them are very smart. Uh, like I say, uh, well, Sutton was more crafty through his entire career. But Seaver, uh, you know, relied on that fastball. But then, of course, he was just such a student of the game. I remember that game. I was there at that game. I probably have the uh, ticket stub up in my attic somewhere. And, oh, there you go. Yeah, and and everybody knew that uh, the Red Sox and the Angels were going to meet in the ALCS. And at that time, the Big A was still configured for Rams football. Uh, so there was over sixty-six thousand seats in the house. There was it was packed. You couldn't, you yeah. couldn't get a seat. Both of the press boxes were full, the baseball press box and the football press box. So I somehow had to beg, borrow, or steal six tickets for uh, uh, 
my me and my girlfriend, my brother and his wife, and a friend of ours and his wife. And um, we sat right next to the uh, Red Sox bullpen. And even they could feel the electricity. They knew the ramifications of that series. And it was a playoff game before the playoff game. And uh, so that, that made it even more exciting with the two Hall of Fame pitchers coming in. And then, of course, uh, pitchers duel. You come in and break it up and basically win the game with that one hit. And it came after... John McNamara, the, who was uh, the manager of the Red Sox at that time, was having an argument with the home plate umpire about something that went on in the uh, inning before. So I don't know if that distracted Seaver or what, but uh, I, yeah, like you say, it was either the first or second pitch, and you hit it to dead center. Oh, I mean, what a memory you have. That's incredible. But, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I can remember that moment just because, uh, of course, it was off one of my idols and... Uh, one of my one of my Fresno guys and Southern California guys, and you know later I went on to uh, to meet him a few times. Uh, most recently, uh, about five years ago, I think it was four to five years ago. He he uh, actually he went up to Napa, uh, bought a winery, and was was raising uh, grapes and and uh, uh, you know developing his own wine, own Cabernet for sure. I think some Chardonnay as well because we had Dennis Gilbert, the longtime. Uh, players agent and insurance guy uh he he um has put together this incredible dinner for the scouts and it raises uh uh you know anywhere between a half a million to a million dollars every year and right. the money goes to down and out scouts and it's, doing it's in january play. every year right in january every year. anyway so he asked tom siever and he named an award uh the tom siever award and i think it was like pitcher of the year uh something to that effect and so tom came up two years in a row uh, and I had gone to those dinners those times, and and Tom had uh, he uh, uh, provided all the wine uh, for one of the dinners uh, with his I think it's uh, T T J S maybe his initials Tom James Seaver something like that it's, it's some initials on the bottle but the wine was uh, pretty darn good and he came up uh, and spoke and you know and he told some stories and he introduced the, the winner and whatnot he he was a great speaker. He is, he's so intelligent. Uh, he's just, uh, he's got a great sense of humor. Uh, always kind of had a smile on his face. He always kind of had that little quirky grin, you know, and, and always in an upbeat, positive, positive frame of mind. So good guy to be around, a wonderful guy to hear speak. Uh, and as I said before, very intelligent, very smart guy. And, uh, you know, tons of respect for Tom Seaver. And did you, did you ever have a chance to, like, talk baseball with him or just talk to him at all, one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, not, to, no, I didn't really, uh, I think we just kind of a hello, kind of some small talk, a lot of people around, it was, you know, as a dinner held, uh, you know, by, I mean, uh, attended by about 800,000 people, uh, so it was pretty quick, um, I was wondering if he played in the Celebrity Players Tour, I played in the Celebrity Players Tour golf tour for about mm. 12 years or so, and I think that he might have competed uh, on that something I'm not sure but anyway that's I just remember talking to him a little bit at the um, uh, at the uh, scouts dinner my thanks to Bobby Gritch he is never at a loss for words never at a loss for an opinion that's why I love to talk to him uh, Bobby Gritch is uh, like I said just grown into a terrific friend he and I uh, do a lot of fundraising together and uh, no I never want to embarrass him by asking him to go golfing with me. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank him again very much. 
And you have to stay tuned to Lunch with Legends because there's going to be some episodes with Bobby Gritch. Uh, in this conversation, we had a chance to talk about what's going on in the COVID-19 year uh, of uh, 2020 baseball and also his opinions on the pitching and the hitting in this modern era. So stay tuned. I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in for Lunch with Legends. Until next time, so long. Executive producer of Lunch with Legends and ASE Media is Maxine Stowers. Written and produced by Lou Stowers. Also produced by Jimmy Flame. Lunch with Legends is brought to you by World Financial Group and Athena Financial. For all of your personal financial growth needs, call Cassidy Eden at 562-266-7024. And by Conjin Water. Get alkaline water right out of your tap. Call Michael Landa at 714-931-0059. Lunch with Legends is brought to you by ThinkSlinger.org. That's ThinkSlinger.org, where words collide. And Lunch with Legends is a production of ASE Media.